Good afternoon, Parivash. Thank you so much for talking with me today. And you are having me in your home over this beautiful array of tea and dates and cheese and grapes. And it's just it's such an honor for me to be here. <laughs> and we were getting together just talking and we realized we really need to, I realized I really want to talk with you and interview you with your amazing story and your life. So would you mind maybe introducing yourself and um, talking a little bit about, you know, your, how you're here today and your story? <laughs> sure. Thank you, Rachel. Actually, when you accepted my invitation, I thought it say a lot about you because you accepted to come to a total stranger that you didn't know. Oh, but I <laughs> thank you so much. Of course, yeah, thank I'm you. lucky to be yeah. here. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, my name is Parivash Rohani, and I'm originally from Iran. So I left Iran in '79 during the revolution. So when religious revolution happened in Iran and Islamic government took over. So the minorities, especially the Baha'is, had a very rough time. So I remember one early morning, a gentleman came to our house and said to my father that they are burning Baha'i home from the north of city. And they were informing the Baha'i families to take their daughters away from home that in case something horrible is going to happen, actually the girls would be safe. So I remember my father took me to my cousin's dorm thinking that it would be safe because it was a governmental dorm and it was, it was safe. So. My father was saying by the time he came back, actually my house was burning and the smoke was coming out of the house and people were asking my mother to recant her faith. And if she would recant, they would call the fire department. (laughs) And my mother with no, you know, there was no way that she was going to recant her philosophy, of course. So we had to relocate. We became homeless really overnight. And we had to relocate to a different town where my uncle and aunt lived. Uh, and we were there for a few months. And then my parents were really worried about me being 19 years old. And uh, that was the reason really I left Iran. And uh, I left with two of my female cousins. We went to India. And we chose India because, of course, the proximity of the country to Iran. We never really wanted to leave Iran. And we were hoping that in few months we can come back to Iran because the rumors were that Shah come back because I don't know how familiar people are with the history of Iran. But at one point, Shah left and came back within a few months. So we thought this is the same story, but of course it was a different story. Mm -hmm. And we lived there for a few years and I got married, I had my daughter. When I went to renew my passport in order to travel, the same thing, the embassy of Iran said, I have to recant my faith, write an article in newspaper in India and in Iran Mm. saying that I converted to Islam. Mm. And of course, I didn't want to do that, you Mm. know. So I became refugee under United Nations. But Mm. I just wanted to clarify one point that really what is happening in Iran 
if these are fanatical yes. Muslim yes. people, it is not yes. Islam, it's not the religion, because really His Holiness Muhammad really talks about peace and unity. Mm -hmm. So it's not mm -hmm. the Muslim, but mm -hmm. this is you yes. know part of fanatical that you can find in any religion. Exactly, exactly. And on, it is unfortunate that in mm -hmm. my country there are more fanatical than open-minded. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yes. that's the agony of really when it comes down yes. to fanaticism. That you have to, it's, yeah. If it seems like this happens too much in many different countries that there's people are persecuted by the religion they choose and have to leave their homes, which is yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think one of the things is that it shows how responsible the religious leader must should be. Yes. Because you know in Iran many of these of the cleric go to the mosque and mm -hmm. in their sermon they talk about that Baha'is are untouchable, subhuman, mm -hmm. unclean, and they are the one who create wow. this kind of problem. Yeah. So I feel that 98% of Muslims who are really open-minded and they are kind people mm -hmm. need to stand up mm -hmm. to 2% yeah, of people who are fanatical because if you keep quiet, yes. like for example, when my house was burned down, I was so disappointed in my neighbors because, you know, we lived among those neighbors. If they got sick in the middle of the night, they come knocking at our door. If they wanted to borrow money, they would knock at our door, if anything. So when this happened, none of them came mm -hmm. to say, okay, why are you doing this? These mm -hmm. are people law obedient. They are right. contributing to the community. They help us, yes. you know, and it's amazing that, you know, my father would say, but they, co they couldn't have, because mm -hmm. if they would have come, mm -hmm. they would be in danger. But mm -hmm. I know my own father, mm -hmm. if that would happen to my neighbor, my father wouldn't have mm -hmm. thought about his mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. He would have gone to protect that family. Yes. You know, my grandfather, who was 100 years old, lived mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. I had five-year-old brother mm -hmm. and 15-year-old. Mm. at home when they threw them out of the house mm. barefooted in cold weather. So I mm. feel as a humanity, we all have to become activists. Yes. Activism is something that makes us human. Mm -hmm. You know, humanity, we can define human when we become, mm -hmm. we become activists, means that we have to stand up for something that is right. Yes. Otherwise, we're no different than animal. Yes. And I, th you know? I you're right. And I think um, when you're talking, I'm thinking about two main themes that are coming up for me. And one is that um, how so many religion seems to cause so much of the conflict and the war in this country. And it's sad that that happens. It's almost like, you know, with the work I do, we, I think a lot about the ego versus yeah. the inner, the true inner self. Yeah. And it seems like for people who strongly identify with the ego, it's like they're using religion as, a, as, as in a place of fear, exactly. coming from a place of fear. And so how can we move beyond that? Because it's not, you said this, it's not just about one religion. It's about, it's this common humanity. And we use different prophets, you know, that we, yeah. some of us gravitates for different, you know, leaders like Jesus or Muhammad or Baha'u'llah. Um, but it doesn't mean that one is wrong and that one is better. 
And so that, so that's one thing that I'm just thinking of. And the other one is what you just said about activism because, and almost, I don't want to say fighting, but it is kind of fighting, but you know, standing up for what you believe in. Exactly. And I know that's what you're, and what you, what is right, what's right, the what right, is right. the right thing to do. Exactly. And you know, I wanted to clarify that in Baha'i faith, means cannot justify the end. Baha'u'llah talks about if you have a lofty goal, Mm -hmm. your means needs to be lofty. So Mm -hmm. this, you know, idea of that we can fight and we can do all of these things to come to this unity or peace is not accepted in the Baha'i faith because we say peace is outcome of love. Mm -hmm. So you cannot achieve peace by Mm -hmm. war and by, you know, and I think because we have a clear criteria that actually in one of the writings Baha'u'llah talks about if religion be the cause of this unity, he said you have to forget about religion. Mm -hmm. He encouraged the Baha'is. He said, forget about religion. Yes, he said, forget about my religion. If the religion wants to be the cause of this unity, because he said really Mm -hmm. the purpose of religion is to bring unity and peace and love and enmity. It's not to create war. So Mm -hmm. if any religion including my own, he said, Mm. is causing that, forget that. Because Mm -hmm. the religion hasn't come to create all of this nonsense, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the problems is that we are so much followers. You know, we need to be independently investigating the truth. Mm -hmm. Because finally, I have to make that connection with this higher being or with this unknowable essence, my husband cannot force it on me, my children, my parents. So it really has to come from that independent investigation. And doesn't matter, I always say, I don't care who get the credit. (laughs) If my neighbor is a good Muslim, Jewish, (laughs) Christian, Buddhist, or Baha'i, ultimately I'm the beneficiary of that. So we need to be, wherever we are, we need to be happy inside. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm an unhappy Baha'i, unhappy Muslim, unhappy Jew, I cannot be contributing and making changes in my surrounding. Mm-hmm. So once we find that, mm-hmm. I think really we are in this journey together. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, just realizing that, I think... We need to build bridges yes. together. Yes. And I, so for everybody yeah. to cross. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, you invited me over to tea and I didn't realize, I knew there was a reason yeah. I was coming here and now I know because I've, you know, I think part of the work, the reason I'm doing this work is because I noticed that we had in a United States society, especially in our workplaces, have become separated from our inner essence, you know, the yeah. whatever we call that, our souls the universal energy that connects us all, whatever, you know, that yeah. because reality. Of, yeah. And because, because of the separation yeah. of church and state, I think, you know, it seems like we feel like we can't talk about our souls or yeah. our faith. And it doesn't mean that we need to go, you know, that we go around saying, Oh, my religion's better than yours, yeah. but it's okay that it's, but it sounds like what you're saying is that it's okay to, embrace that that's who we are that we're connected uh-huh. and we uh-huh. have this we do each have souls and we exactly and that sounds like that's um 
part of the, this beautiful message that you're spreading. And you have a documentary that yeah. is helping. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, this, yes. sure. And you know, when revolution happened in Iran, um, of course, um, like my house, 500 more houses were burned in Shiraz. There were people who were expelled from their governmental job. My father worked in army and he was getting pension. His pension got cut off. A lot of, um, you know, really hardship happened to Baha'i community and we dealt with it. But one of the problem was when they decided that Baha'i youth cannot go for higher education. You know, in Baha'i faith, education is compulsory. It means if the Baha'i family doesn't have money to educate their children, mm-hmm. the community have wow. to. And if mm-hmm. they have two kids, a boy and a girl, and they can only afford the education of one, mm-hmm. their preference goes to educating their daughter. Wow. Because we believe That's that the, you know, the daughters or the educator, the first educator of the children. Huh. And so many times people, when I talk mm-hmm. about it, people say, but they, what about the guys? But it is because it stems from the fact that in Baha'i faith, we don't believe education starts after the child is born. Mm-hmm. We believe that actually education starts before even conception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and because the mother is carrying the child for a nine months, so they are the primary educator. Mm-hmm. So they have to be mm-hmm. educated to have a generation that are educated. Mm-hmm. Because really, if you look around, one of the problem of our global community is lack of education. Fanatical ideology mm. come from that, yes. prejudice come from that. So if we have a generation that is educated, we don't need to struggle with all this kind of issue. Of course, that mm-hmm. education needs to be a little bit, mm-hmm. I don't know, I call it a spiritual, but virtue-based, mm-hmm. that they learn Morality. how to yes. get along, uh-huh. consult, collaborate, those kind of things needs to be also with this education. <laughs> you know, I, that is an amazing, that is an incredible point you just made because I think even in our own country now what we're seeing politically with the presidential yeah. campaign, you know, some ugly things yeah. that have been happening and I'm not, I'm not going to get political here. Yeah. Of course, people could figure out, but you know, that I think a lot of it comes from people maybe being somewhat of a lack of, I want to say, yeah, I think it is probably lack of education or a focus and only being educated on one particular viewpoint yeah. and not necessarily seeing all the viewpoints. Yeah. And, uh, and this isn't to say that, you know, somebody's better than another person, but, um, it's a limiting perspective. It's a limited yeah. way when you're saying we need to kick out immigrants, you know, yeah. or we need to, it's a fear and it's a fear based thing. And so I think, Oh, it's just wonderful what you're saying. And it come, it, it also relates to a fear right now that we're experiencing of Islam in our country and what that's, what that's doing to yeah. we're pushing people away. Anybody who is of a certain religion, I said Islam because it's real. It's a, yeah. That is. Yeah. And um, that's not the answer. No. It's just, even when you said that, having been persecuted by another religion, you, the fact that you said you would still give just says so much about you that you you're in touch with this beautiful love that you embody and that you share no matter what 
<laughs> and yeah. I think it is important because you know the education cannot be just science based. You know, yes. the science and religion must go hand in hand. We believe in that. Mm-hmm. That if science proves something which is not in the Baha'i faith, we have to go with science. Because, you yeah. know, if the religion is without science, it becomes mm-hmm. superstition. And if science without religion, it becomes arrogant. You know, so this needs to go hand in hand. Otherwise, yes. we would have problem. Yes. So when I left Iran in 79, two years after, I got the news that about 16th or 18th, I don't remember the number right, but about that, that my friends were executed. And mm-hmm. one of them, as young as 16, and my mentor was 56. Can you imagine can that, imagine. you know, you have to carry that guilt, although I knew I wasn't the one who executed them, but the fact that I knew I was among them, and then I left and they got executed, really was very heavy for me. That's and I true. tried in many ways to bring awareness, but it seemed that it's you are confused when you don't have proper tools mm-hmm. you know yes so when uh, in 87 actually 1987 when you know they didn't let the baha'i youth to go for higher education the baha'i community knowing how education is important decided we will build our own university so all the professors who were expelled from university because they were Baha'is got together mm-hmm. and they actually established underground university. Yes. And the university is called BIHE, means Baha'i Institute of Higher Learning. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, no, I'm sorry, Baha'i Education. Uh, Institute for Higher Education, Education. yeah, yes. Institute B-I-H-E. for Higher Education, yeah. Okay. yeah. And um, you know, this was like the classes were at the living room of people. That's people right. were traveling from all over Iran every few months to come to Tehran, which is the capital city, and actually be in a real classroom because most of their work was done in the beginning. They would get their assignment in mail. They would do their assignment, send it to Tehran, it get corrected, sent back to them. Mm-hmm. But then gradually they, you know, use the internet, but the government found out all their computers, lab stuff, everything was confiscated. The administrators were put in prison, the students were put in prison. So what they decided that, okay, we can't continue like this, but we need to continue because we cannot rob these young people of education. So the education become online. Mm. So right now, professors from all over the globe teaching in this university and none of the professors get paid and none of these credits are accepted in Iran. Like the students finish their education, but they cannot find job because this is not a something recognized document. But few years ago, universities all over the globe, like for example, Harvard, Columbia, MIT, McGill in Australia, in England, they came to the conclusion that we accept this credit. 
सो नाउ बहुत they come to america and they do their master degree that's wonderful you know and when mm. they established a university online of course one of the problem was that most of these students don't talk in english right so then right. they have to come up with the english as a second language 101 i think the courses and actually we have two instructor in maine Hmm. who are teaching in this university in Iran they both wow. live in Louisville so wow. a few years ago amnesty international came up with the dvd talking about this underground university hmm. and the title was education under fire mm-hmm. so i got involved as a volunteer just going places viewing for people the documentary having panel discussion can you say what the documentary is called sure. again the one seven eight years ago was called uh, education under fire right but the, your documentary is called uh, so then few okay, years ago yes okay. it's a different documentary okay, no because <laughs> the the campaign is mm. progressing right got it so few years ago the different campaign came to being called education is not a crime mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. it's really interesting because the person who started the campaign is not a bahai mm-hmm. he's a reporter yes. canadian citizen iranian but canadian mm-hmm. citizen who actually was in prison in iran with some of the bahais because he was standing up for uh, them uh, no not no. because of that because of his reporting oh, that he did because you know. he was exposing wow yeah. well that's so good he was reporting and his name is Mazyar Bahari actually mm-hmm. his life story is titled Rosewater okay. so many people who might listen know that, know uh, that. yeah okay. and that's his life story okay. so he um put this documentary together which is called to light a candle okay and the, it's a 55 minute documentary mm. about 27 minutes in the beginning talks about general mm. persecution of the bahais and then the last 23 minutes is about the establishment of the bih they interview some of the students who were are in they were in Iran now they are continuing their education mm-hmm. here so i have been really busy just volunteering mm-hmm. for this international campaign you know taking the documentary different places and the new campaign right now which i'm not much involved with it because it has to do with people who are really artists they called paint the change so they are paint, called, like paint, paint the picture paint, paint. okay paint great the change. and title. actually it is um, they are calling on all the street artists everybody mm. who has talent in mm. drawing painting whatever uh, to do things around education is not a crime campaign mm-hmm. so you can see in south africa in different countries in new york in harlem new york there are a lot of 
walls with mm. different painting mm. actually portraying mm -hmm. this topic of education is not a crime reporting is not a crime mm. yeah. i don't know whatever it is crime in iran making movie mm -hmm. poetry it's freedom of expression yeah, freedom of expression right. yeah. yeah so it's really nice to see that so many people who are not Baha'is mm -hmm. but they truly believe in freedom freedom they, kinds, yeah right? and they are activists yes. social changes although they are here they are standing up That's, for people across the yes. globe and um, you know I and mean, even in Iran we recently it was so funny because one of the Baha'i leader a woman they have been sentenced to um, jail for 20 years they then they cut back to 10 years now they went to 20 wow. back and forth so after eight years she was given permission to come and see her daughter who got married and had a baby mm -hmm. and when she went to prison that daughter was only 13 years old wow. so mm -hmm. she came out and a daughter of ex-president of iran for Ezer Rafsanjani, went to visit her because they mm. were in prison together. Wow. Mm. You cannot believe the simple visit of two people who were in prison made such a big noise in Iran and across the globe that many people in Iran, the cleric, condemned the visit. They said she should not have gone to visit the Baha'i woman She's from cleric background. Mm -hmm. She should not have done that. She should have apologized mm -hmm. to the Iranian for oh. what she did. Her father has to ask her to apologize. You know, like you, and it really, although it was a little bit bitter, but lots of sweetness came out of that because many open-minded Iranian inside and outside of Iran stood up and said yes. what she did was not wrong. Yes. She just went to visit somebody right. who was with her right. for eight months. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Right. And they said, actually, if she would not have made that visit, mm -hmm. that would have been not yes. right, you right. know, so. And that's the, that story, what you're talking about, yeah. I think reminds me of something we were talking about earlier, which is the importance of people standing up for yeah. what is right and it takes courage to do that and exactly. you know standing up for somebody that's being bullied in school or yeah. standing up and talking about something you believe in strongly even though other, other people may not or yeah. you don't know how they're going to respond that takes courage or people who are being persecuted unfairly or being terrorized you know it's for people of any religion to uh -huh. speak up and say this is wrong you yeah. know or of any background at all really so yeah. that's so i am noticing the time i don't want to take up your whole morning no, with this, but okay. this has just been one of such an enriching conversation and um you know the you said before you didn't think it was courageous but you clear you you embody courage to me and and the courage to say to what we just said to speak up for what you believe is right mm -hmm. and um, from a place of faith, you know, I think it's just incredible and inspire and really inspiring to me. And I think, oh, you know, I'm wondering if you have, I always ask this of people, but any last words that you want to share with people, of, you know, words of 
wisdom and inspiration <laughs> or anything that a message you'd want to leave yeah. with i think not the word of wisdom but to tell people you know that really we are so lucky to live in a country like america mm. because i remember i came to america at age 27 but the first time I felt I'm human and I have right was in this country. Because in my own country as Iranian, although I spoke the same language, I looked the same, I never was respected because of my religion. I was always second class citizen. So coming to this country and realizing, oh my God, now I understand why people give their life to come here. Mm. And I'm not saying we are perfect as American. Mm. We have probably, a, you know, areas that we need to work with. Mm. But, you know, as Baha'is, we truly believe that America have a spiritual destiny. And we have a, yes. a special prayer, yes. a spiritual destiny. And we have a special prayer when the time gets rough, and we know we cannot do anything. I know that I personally have said that you know Baha'i prayer for America almost every day mm. because you know this is a perfect country of all this immigrant and diversity. You know we have materially really mm -hmm. we have fulfilled a lot of things, mm -hmm. and we America is capable of guiding yes. the global community spiritually. And I mean, I know spirituality now can be, you know, defined in many levels, but I mean, really with the justice, with looking at everybody, oneness of humanity, yes. oneness of religion, you know, yes. global community, we have all the ingredients. Mm. So I'm hoping yes. that, you know, as American, every day we think about that. Because, you know, once we think that we are distant spiritually, it becomes reality. I have yes. this saying that I always say, you know, when we dream alone, it's just a dream. But when we dream together, it becomes reality. So I feel that, you know, it's so important for all of us to think little bit or, con you know, elevate our conversation always little bit, you know, to think about solution to make our community a better place. And I know that Maine has been really amazing space for that. I mean, in Portland, I see so many organizations, people thinking, you know, to help the marginalized, to come up with different ideology, to make life easier. Because, you know, if we don't make life easy for everybody, none of us would be happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're mm -hmm. all member of this human body, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. although we all do different things, mm -hmm. but I don't think at any point long, can tell the heart, okay, I don't care what you do, I'm on analogy. my own. You know, <laughs> the so lung can't tell the heart, yeah, right, because, yeah. because it's part of the same yeah. body, just like humanity. We are different, but That's I mean, we are different, analogy. we have different things to do, but we yes. are pieces of one puzzle. If yes. one piece is missing, the puzzle is not complete. So mm -hmm. I feel that, you know, we really are in a fantastic country, wonderful state, an amazing city mm. so we just yes. have to think about collaborating together yes. and be yes. service oriented because really 
doing service is doing prayer. I did, mm. It's a practical way of prayer is doing service to the community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful, everything you said. Thank you oh, so much, thank you. It was it so nice. Thank you so much to really have the opportunity to, you know, talk about something that matters. It does matter. It is... <laughs> one of the most important things that, exactly. that that's what we're here that's yeah. why we're all here yeah. well thank you so much oh. and uh, i am joy i can't wait for to share this far and wide <laughs>